0: Welcome to Conversation Pace. I'm your host, Brian Rossetti. In episode 20, I spoke with badass lady gang founder Kelly Roberts. Kelly recently transitioned her crew to VDOTO too, so I was excited to check in and see how she's doing. It is impressive to see how quickly her coaching business has grown in the last few years, but not surprising considering her indomitable spirit. In this episode, we discuss what is the badass lady gang, And how did it evolve into such a powerful movement across the world? We cover how she got into running and coaching, the types of runners she's connecting with and growing her business, combating the pervasiveness of diet culture in our society. This is her mission. And of course, staying connected and motivated during the pandemic. It's always fun to connect with Kelly. I hope you enjoy this conversation too. Kelly, welcome to the show.
1: We're doing it. We're here. We've We're survived here. until October.
0: <laughs> you survived. How are you doing? So you're in New York now.
1: Honestly, it feels fine. You know, like yeah. good days, mostly good days, couple of uh, don't want to get out of bed days. But I mean, at least here in New York, like we got our shit together.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: I it's feel safer good. here than anywhere else. I feel like we're all like we look at each other and we're like, you went through it, too. And we're in this together and no one's allowed in.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you. I feel like people have sort of adapted for, for better or for worse, because like the country, I think, is as worse as it's been. Right. In New York, it's different because you've been through it and now it's it's somewhat quiet there. Um, yeah. But it's weird to kind of see it now like surging. And then I just feel like no one cares as much now, right? Cause they're just so tired of it. You know what I mean?
1: It's so frustrating. It's, I mean, like, I, I feel like I've turned into a boomer just screaming on Facebook, <laughs> just constantly screaming. I'm sure everyone's muted me because no one likes it. No one comments, you know, like, I, I feel like everyone's right. muted me, but it's, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't wear
1: a mask. It's not hard. <laughs>
0: i know but what what about masks um do you feel like runners started wearing them because they were so scared and now it's it, it doesn't have I, I mean i don't have much data or, or evidence but it, it doesn't appear that like because central park has been fairly crowded right and, and there are tons of people not running with masks right so i feel I like you definitely
1: see a lot less now or i I I think it's not that much, but I we like up until recently you would never see anyone without it on them, whether it's like around the wrist, around the yeah. arm, down on their on their neck, but I am now starting to see sprinkles of people just like without one running or walking in the park, which I tr- I I think we're all at a point where we're not going to scream at each other for doing that. Thank God that was so annoying when that was happening. Yeah. But uh, it does make you kind of be like hey, why are you being a jackass, jackass? Like, right. Remember the refrigerator trucks? Like, let's not go back there.
0: Where right. is your mask? But I feel like the, like you never hear the mayor or the governor um, shouting about, like, wear your mask when you're running, you know? So no. I get the feeling that people are just kind of like, you know what? I think it's pretty safe outside, you know, running by. Um, and we haven't seen. I don't feel you know,
1: unsafe yeah
0: yeah yeah um okay cool and it just seems like um at least in your group i mean you guys are it's incredible to see the engagement and and how many people are active and and motivated because the industry feels like it's still on pause right i know the road runners are trying to bring in-person racing back and it looks so <laughs> weird and different um but what's cool to see with your group is that it's like almost as if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but almost as if the pandemic, you know, hasn't really played an impact on participation at all, right?
1: No, I mean, and I feel like a jackass saying this, like I, if anything, it pushed more people to want to be a part of something or to start running. Like I, I saw we doubled in our free 5k plan, you know, like the become a runner 5k plan it the numbers literally doubled from well probably april to april to may yeah and then from there you know like we did our summer series our virtual program and then we, now we're in the midst of our fall series and the fall series doubled from the summer series so it's it's cool to see so many people i think the biggest driver is people want to have fun on, like a lot of us are not having fun on the run. Like summer was really brutal and mm. it was just hard. It, I mean, we've talked about this. It, it, like, I I haven't felt like this in a really long time. So that was pretty jarring. So it, it really did. These programs have helped a lot of people connect with other people, have fun and actually find a way to like define what's intrinsically motivating them.
0: Mm. That's what I was going to say. Just so that people have some context Previously to this year, was the motivation, was it all about, you know, participating or the end goal being a road race or was it more intrinsic and community and fitness?
1: I think it was both because the Badass Lady Gang lives as an online in real life community where you can connect with other people and find resources. And then we're a training team where you can find coaching and community in a sense of team and training programs. I have a very uh, unique subset of runners within my community where we are serial racers. We are people who like, mm. they're the type of runners who you would hear say, I have to have a training plan or a uh, race on like the books to keep me motivated. That's kind of our community. And I, I don't think that's bad. I was in that boat for a very long time too. Yeah. But, uh, when you have so many people who who kind of struggle with calling themselves runners or calling themselves athletes or considering themselves athletes people who have never done speed play before people who have never pushed themselves before because running is already just so difficult they that you like when you fathom another level of that you're like unsubscribe no thank you i'm just going to keep doing this thing because it's already hard but i like it so i'm good and then you like giving them new structure and then people to go through it with and have fun with you know like playing and falling on your face and like the programs really are set up in a way to like encourage you to fail like truly go out and blow up like like really like take the pressure of doing stuff off because we don't have races yes we each of our programs like culminates in three virtual races throughout but the truth is a lot of us don't do them you know I, I don't like virtual races. I, I did one of the four <laughs> of my yeah. summer series, you know, so like I'm not going to do it. I don't expect other people to do it. It's a lot more process, which has been really fun for a lot of people discovering that they can actually have the most fun training and running and talking about it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so wait, the subset that that really focused on tri- having a plan for a, a goal race have they sort of fallen off, or you feel like you've been able to to keep them keep their head in the game and and stay connected?
1: I really tried to encourage everyone who was on my team, which are the team is everyone who who was like banking on a fall marathon, banking on a half marathon yeah. this fall. They're kind of the people who have like one moonshot goal a year and then a couple other races to keep them motivated. I tried to funnel everyone into the fall series. So the fall series is a 12 week program that has three virtual races. So we have a 10 can Halloween. We have a 10 miler on uh, the week before Thanksgiving and then a half marathon in December. And then an option for that was to do a relay because I know a lot of my people don't want to do distance right now. Like 60 minutes is the furthest they want to be doing. Like that's a very mm-hmm. long run right now. So we, we, we made a bunch of different options so that everyone could be a part of it. Everyone's doing the exact same training program. They're just level one, level two, level three. And then like the bulk is different. So everyone's doing the same thing so that when all 400 something of us hop on a call, we can talk about the exact same stuff because everyone's Mm. doing the same thing.
0: And is virtual racing, is it, is the response feedback pretty mixed in terms of I like doing these or I'm not as into them. That's not why I'm doing this. Um, what is the response been? Just virtual rate, the concept in general.
1: I think some people are, are fine with it. I don't think anyone's super jazzed about it. You know, <laughs> I think people who really are like jazzed on virtual races are finding real virtual races that like give them a medal.
0: Yeah. You mm. know,
1: this is a, this program is is process-based. It is a program that is built on like really distilling the week you know like giving everyone actionable process related goals for the week and asking them to do certain things and really working on mental game and then also like encouraging them to get to meet new people talk about what's working and not working in the group we have a private group in our online community so it's really really encouraging people to instead of just like struggle through it alone like really open up on the calls and really open up about what people are experiencing in the group and the people who do that have a very transformative experience
0: that's cool and well so let's back up a little bit badass lady gang how did it start and how has it evolved um over the last few years
1: it started a couple years ago as a hashtag just as a joke because Mm. i found myself running with these like ridiculously badass women who were so much faster than me, so much stronger than me that I would chase and try to keep up with. But then on the flip side, like I was running with people who were a lot slower than me and with all of them, like I was finding a lot of joy with the people I was running with. People I would never have met had you know, like running not connected us. We had like people who I had nothing in common with other than running and people who were in their 60s or 70s people who were in their 20s or 40s you know, like just people that I don't think I would have met without, you know, like me being an online personality and coming into my life because I would host things. So it started as an online group. You know, we started a Facebook group and a lot, a lot of people got in there. And I just started seeing lots of people talk about the fact that they were alone, that they moved for a husband or a boyfriend or for school and didn't have a sense of community. And they were watching me with November Project or getting to do like Nike Project Moonshot. And they were just constantly saying, like, you look like you're having so much fun. How do I find that? When I go to my local store or my local charity, you know, like, I get dropped. They say they're all athletic levels, but, like, I'm a 14-minute miler. They're not all athletic levels. I can't run six miles or four miles. I don't want to. Like, there's not a group for me. How do I find my badass lady gang? And I was like, well, let's make it. (laughs) You know? Like, if it's not out there, let's just bring it to you. So I decided to launch Chapters. So I just put out word and was like, if you are feeling real brave and uh, frisky, let's uh, let's have you volunteer and hop on a call with me and let's talk about this unpaid part time job, you know, building this community. If that sounds fun to you, like give me a holler and let's talk about it. And we it worked. I mean, it was so incredible because. They're not runs, you know, like we're not, we don't show up somewhere for the most part and say like, we're going to go do 5K. We're not, we're going to go do six miles. Everything's contained in speed play so that everyone's within yelling range of each other. And you could get four miles in or you could get a half a mile in, right? Like we had people doing everything. And it. it we saw what, what most people see, you know, at a running crew, people show up because they start to make friends with people who never would have been in their life. We always joke, that we like the running crew who will never ask you what you're training for. You know, we yeah. I, like ironically end up with all these people who <laughs> never have run an organized race before and have literally no desire to, you know, all these runners that you see on data sets, you know, in these big presentations of all the big companies, you'll see them in the data sets. But like, if you, if you drink the Kool-Aid and you're in the industry, like we don't know these people, right? Like We don't, <laughs> We don't really get to meet them, but they're out there. They're a huge subset of the group, people who run 5K like every day just because, but they don't want to run a race. Those are the people who started showing up or brand new runners. It was just like a very fun hodgepodge group of women who were able to find like safety, security, especially in winter months, just safety in numbers and get to share something that maybe they never got to share with anyone before, which was really, really, really rad.
0: That's so cool. A hashtag. How about that? All this started from a simple pound symbol. Just because um,
1: I thought it sounded funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so social. We're really, you know, you're you're talking about the positive aspects of social media here. Did you? Uh, have you seen social? Was it social dilemma? The the documentary that's out.
1: Yeah, I did. I don't like, think I learned anything new. Like I. It's scary. I don't. I. I love social media for some stuff, but for the most part, like I'm pretty anti, you know, like you really won't learn anything about me on my Instagram page. I've made that mm-hmm. choice years and years and years ago to like not share my life. That isn't, mm-hmm. I don't need to be out there. I don't, I've never had notifications on. I never look at how many people follow me. I yeah. don't post what I think people will like. I lose followers all the time because I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm
0: pretty vocal about what
1: I believe in.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. You're very honest, Um, but it's. I just like to point out. I mean, there are obviously positive aspects to it. Um, Only a few. (laughs) There's certainly a lot of dangers, but it's it's (laughs) nice. (laughs) It's nice to see, you know, what you've grown, um, you know, using social media. That's. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Um, So hopefully, it's good to see some people, you know, using it for good and um, and being honest. So it's today. I mean you mentioned something recently I think it was on Instagram um 3000 plans is is that correct so is that to date you've you've had over 3000
1: people that's this in- year
0: That's just this year incredible That's
1: this year Yeah incredible so incredible and wow. so many of those are first time 5kers
0: Wow first time 5k okay
1: brand new runners
0: So there you go that's like it's very encouraging just to see like the participation maybe this is another positive aspect of the the pandemic right there's just, and i i think this is this is what running store owners are saying too um like new they're seeing a lot of new customers it's not just pent up demand um since the pandemic so that's that's encouraging
1: so many people find running when their lives fall apart like this is something mm. i've always known this yeah. is this is how i've like built my community you know, like we always joke that we're the community that like everyone here has been to Howling back, you know, like and this is what I used to love to do when I used to do New York Road Runners races. I used to always be coming from Brooklyn. It was like an hour on the train and it's what five in the morning or six in the morning. You're always on there with the runners. Yeah. So I would just talk to people and I would always ask everybody, you know, like, oh, how'd you get started? And the answers were always like breakup, divorce, death, mm. cheated on got cheated on, you know, like those were always the reason. And then every once in a while you got the like, oh, I, well, I've always done it or like my mom does it or this, that and the other. But for the most part, it's like disease, like all these like horrible things mm. that happen give people purpose. I just read that book Burnout this weekend, which was an incredible read and highly recommend everyone. But they talk about like stress and emo- like like trauma and how it lives in your body And how to complete the cycle so that it gets out and physical exercise is one of them. And I used to always think when I got started, like, I always joked, like, no one talks about how no one's crying on street corners. (laughs) Like, no one talks about that. Is that that can't just be me. And now I'm realizing, like, it wasn't because I was just struggling. It was because it used to be theater. I got my undergrad in theater. And that was how I coped with grief and all that stuff and then I lost that and I started running and that what that became my new thing and I was like oh my god this is totally why everyone's running right now it's because of Donald Trump and it's because of the coronavirus you know like we all feel totally helpless and hopeless and out of control and this thing is helping us like get that out of our bodies
0: what well what was your introduction um the sport originally like was mental
1: breakdown Brian. (laughs) Yeah (laughs) probably what most would classify as a manic episode.
0: (laughs) And and, and then so that was the the that was you know what got you into it. But then what was was it the November project or was it was it the Nike group? But like what was your first experience?
1: With a group or with running?
0: Just with running.
1: I didn't find I didn't run with anyone for probably three or four years. Okay, I like fully thought I didn't belong that I was slow. I was so afraid that someone was going to jump out of the bushes Mm. and be like, "Katcha, you're not a real runner. What are you doing? Like, I Mm. don't know what the story was that I was telling myself, but I would like show up to these races, like wishing I had an invisibility cloak. I felt so out of place, but I, I think it just, I graduated from college. I got my undergrad in theater And like for the first time in my life, truly didn't know what to do, what, how I was going to support myself, how I was going to pay back my student loans. I didn't foresee a career in, in the TV industry. I was, you know, I was fat and I had acne scars, not bad. It just, it was what I was. I wasn't super skinny and I didn't know how to break into it. And I just fully fell apart and my grief was eating me alive. And I just had all these issues And uh, earlier that year, I had seen my best friend run a marathon. And I remember, I remember like standing there and being like, wait, what? That person's not skinny. That person's not skinny. Uh, That person's not skinny. What? That person looks normal. That person looks normal. These people can run a marathon. And at the time, like it, I never once was like me too. It was more just like, what is happening? This is not at all what I expected this to be.
0: Had you been running just for fitness prior to watching that race or no?
1: Hell no. No, Every once in a while I would try because I always thought that would make me skinny. So every once in a while I would just go try to run and, you know, like make it down the block and be like, nope, I guess still no, like walk back home. But Mm. like fast forward, it's November. I graduated in May. A couple months have gone by. I'm living with my parents. I am working as a receptionist in a in a dermatology office and everyone wow. that I talked to from college they would do this to me they would be like wait what are you doing <laughs> yeah. where are you living you why aren't you in know. LA why aren't you in New York what what are I you doing yeah and my professors were like checking on me being like what are you doing mm. so I felt all this pressure and I was just so ashamed of of like me not knowing what to do and how to ask for help And then I was dating this guy who was like such a good guy. And he was like, I don't want to get in a relationship with you because I want you to move to New York and I will keep you here. Like you need to leave, (laughs) which in hindsight, I'm like, great guy. But at the time was like devastating. So I was like, all of these things were happening. And I'd gotten in the habit of like going to the gym and riding on a stationary bike as hard as I could to not have to like feel my pain. You know, that's what I did to cope. And it was Thanksgiving and the gym was closed and I was just like, I hadn't slept in two days. My anxiety was crazy. I was so depressed. I hadn't, like, I was just losing it and I just, the sun was rising and I'm like, I have to do something. So I, like, tried to go for a run, made it down the block, (laughs) kind of walk. But, like, for some reason that day I was just like, I cannot go back and get in that bed. Like, I can't listen to this anymore. You know, I can't mm. keep hearing the things I'm telling myself. I'm just going to keep going. So I would walk and run. And I I, I just had nothing else for me. Like, I truly was just desperate enough to keep going. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, It gave me an hour of a break of all the horrible, awful things that I said to myself. Because I just, it hurt so much that I didn't have any brain space to just, like, tear myself down.
0: So this is cool. So the... So, the running, you feel like you kept at it almost because of the brain, like it was an outlet. It was a way to sort of disconnect and, um, versus I want to get into diet culture and, and a lot of what you talk about. Um, so it was more like for mental, um, for mental relief, essentially, right? Is that what the hook was? Totally. I mean,
1: I'd be lying if I didn't think like, Fuck yeah! I'm gonna run a marathon, and I'm gonna be so skinny. Like that definitely was also a piece of it.
0: That was there,
1: yeah. Yeah, but like you know, shockingly, (laughs) when I started running further, I'm like, wait, this is bullshit. (laughs) Like I'm gaining weight. This is ridiculous. (laughs) But I, I think for me, like, it was such a sense of accomplishment. And whenever I told anyone I was running, I was training to run a marathon. It gave me back that sense of like, whoa, Kelly, go you that pe- I, I always had gotten from people instead of that. What are you doing? You know, people I just felt like people were so disappointed in me and surprised that I kind of imploded after I graduated. Yeah. And I'm such a perfectionist and people pleaser yeah. that like that killed me. So now I something to say to people when they were like, what are you doing? That made them proud of me again, which they weren't proud. I mean, it, who cares? Really, it's about me, <laughs> you know. Like, I yeah. should have been focusing on me that whole time. But it, I mean, the marathon and the half marathon, like those two first races, like really did change change me completely. It gave me the courage to move to New York. It like helped me realize that like running and, and having something that wasn't fun be be fun. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, I'm nerdy. Runner. Yeah, <laughs> been in the sport for a long time, and I'm sentimental about it. But I always say, like, uh, you know, society would be would be better off if everyone was a runner. And I say that just because more of the mental aspect of it, in terms of um, the ability to clear your head, and it's almost meditative, especially if you go out alone and the exposure to nature, and um, just it's. I think it's healthy in that respect, not just looking at it from get fit, you know, get fast and everyone will be better off or more of the mental aspect. So it's really cool to hear that that was kind of the hook for you. And then it sort of took on a life of its own, obviously, from there.
1: Yeah, that's like, honestly, that's the reason that my brand evolved more into like a coaching platform, because I started seeing so many people. I call them one and doneers where yeah. they run the half marathon and they're done. They don't do it ever again because it wasn't particularly fun. They didn't get the benefits. They're really proud of the accomplishment and they're they're grateful for what they did, but like it wasn't enough to keep them going. Maybe they'll run here and there, but it's always weight loss driven for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's always because they think they should, and I was like the problem isn't that like they didn't do it right or wrong. It's just that they don't have the tools to reframe the the self-talk and then also to understand how to make this like a transformative experience, which it can be. They don't know how to make this meditative. They don't know the community that is available to them. You know, that was really like the, the like impetus for doing what I'm doing now.
0: And then how did you, cause you did, um, get into, a whole different world, right? Part of our business is like <laughs> now you're training for marathons and your objective is like a time-based goal. And so, what was the evolution to getting into that? And um, and talk a little bit about that sort of transformation and how that all happened.
1: For a really long time, like I had training plans that I always just used as guides. I would never do the speed work. Everything was always adjusted based on like what I realistically could get in to my day. Yeah. And it, it was always fine. You know, like I always got to the finish line and it always I always did feel like I was giving myself my, my personal best. But after I ran that first marathon, it was really a moment where I was like, I'm done telling myself what I can and can't do. Anytime something feels like really, really scary and that failure like really will like is a big probability, something that will be very shameful if I fail. Like I'm going to at least try. So I start running and I'm running all these races and then I become a personality and I have this blog and this platform. And uh, a couple years later, I'm at the Boston Marathon cheering and I'm with a bunch of friends. And one of my friends was like, Kelly, why don't you try to qualify for Boston? And at that time, I think my PR was like four, 420 or something, 4, 4, 4, 414, something like that. Yeah and i was like lol like there's no way in fucking hell i could ever take myself seriously enough to shave i mean that much time off to qualify because my qualifying time would be 330 at the time yeah. 335 at the time and i was like no there's no way there's no way uh, impossible and, and what, i didn't
0: leading up to that you were just like finding stuff online like just generic training and sort of following it just as a guide
1: Yeah, like doing run keeper or finding something online. And then to a Mm -hmm. certain point, like, you know how to train for a marathon. You start at 13 and you build, you know, like that's how I just ran the marathon. I would hit about 30 to 40 miles a week and be fine. I that just felt fine. And it's what I always did. And
0: but no, no, you hadn't started like speed work or anything at that point.
1: No, never did it. I had never done it in my life. Like, had a watch that I didn't know how to work. You know, like, it just, it was start, start, finish. (laughs) You know, that's what I did. And I think, I think that the year prior, I had just broken four hours, which took me a long time to do. I want to say that that might be right. I can't remember, like, the total timeline of it. It either happened that year or the year prior. But, like, I remember feeling so disappointed in myself that I had said that about myself that like I could never take myself seriously enough that like that was impossible, that I wasn't that runner. And then I, I like honestly truly like watched Beyonce's lemonade when that dropped and was like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston. Fuck it. Like I'm, I, I I promised myself I wasn't going to do this anymore. And here I am doing it. So I like got a coach and I, uh, just for the first three months, they were really brutal and difficult. But I'm, I was so lucky because my uncle, uh, his name's Dr. Robert Corb. He's a sports psychologist, mm. and pretty early on, he like we were at a family wedding, and he sat me down and he's like, "I I'm here. However you need me, I would love to help you." You know, and so every, like, we were we were on calls a lot, and he helped me understand what personal best means. He helped me really, really like understand. What it means to be an athlete, how to how to deal with, you know, like imposter syndrome, how to focus on process goals, what focusing on limiting factors did for me and and really redefine all the rat's nest that was in my brain. And it totally changed my life. like fully changed who I am as a human being. Wow.
0: that's awesome. And and you're working with Coach Stowe at this point, Rebecca, right?
1: Yeah, we haven't done anything this year because I'm uh I'm I'm not racing this year. I am on like a full move because you can cuz you want to like year. I promised yeah. myself I would do that. But yeah, yeah, she's been my coach for like 2 years.
0: When you were going after the BQ and sort of documenting that, Rebecca was your coach at the time, right?
1: Yeah, the best coach in the whole world. That that woman is yeah. such a miracle. <laughs>
0: yeah she's incredible. It's just her knowledge and she's like constantly you know studying and and striving to be better and that's what I love about Rebecca but it sounds like what an incredible baseline for you to have your uncle and and her um just in terms yeah, of they, i mean like growth as a coach too you know
1: that's definitely why i i gravitated to her because like we had three coaches when we did and nike nyc's project moonshot right yeah mm-hmm. and you use all three and they're all incredible but like i definitely gravitated to coach stowe because she comes at it from such a mental perspective and like yeah. that truly is like what she wants to focus on yes obviously we're working for an outcome yes obviously the goal is 330 but more importantly it's about you know how why is this important to your life you know like who are you outside of running who are you like all that stuff is what she focuses on in addition to like really being a really great coach and knowing how to build and and you know like give you workouts and push you and uh having her and Dr. Bob together were just like like what a privilege such a privilege
0: That's so cool. Dr. Bob. Does Dr. he Dr. Bob. Does he work with um anyone at Badass Lady Gang or no?
1: He's very famous in the Badass Lady Gang. Yeah. Every, everything that we did together, we recorded. So they all live in like podcasts and on YouTube. Okay, so, good. I mean, I get emails all the time from people being like, will you forward this to Dr. Bob? He totally helped me break two and a half. Or, you know, like all this stuff, like all the things that I learned, like they learn from Dr. Bob too.
0: Yeah. So I what was really cool recently, I I looked at a post that you – I think it was, I don't know, fairly recently, it was about the threshold workout that you did. And um, it I was loving the comments um, on the post. It was like some athletes were saying it was something I didn't know I could do. I felt reborn after those repeats. It looked scary at first, but I was surprised at how good it felt. And it's always encouraging to read that stuff because um, I think a lot of runners Especially beginners are intimidated by the V dot stuff because it comes off as technical or it's really for more serious runners and the beauty of it really is that it's it's based on human physiology right so yeah you can it doesn't matter who you are what shape you're in um, you know it's it works it's whoever you are when it, you know your current fitness and um, so I'd love to hear what the reaction has been when you bring in new members. Are they intimidated? Um, and is there a learning curve? Do they, do they f- start to see you know the light at the end of the tunnel when they start to buy in? Or is it a challenge? Um, so if you can speak to that a little bit, it'd be awesome.
1: It's terrifying. They're all terrified (laughs) and understandably. So, you know, like I was, I was in the same boat too. You know, it's, it's so rewarding, especially like, this is the best part about these programs that we're doing right now is that everyone has the same plan. Once a week, we get on a call. It's always on Wednesday. It's always the day after the speed play session. So some of the plans have two speed play sessions, but everyone has speed play on Tuesday So like, yes, this week was was the the threshold workout. So some people had, you know, like three reps. Some people had four reps. Some people had two. I don't remember. doesn't matter. You get on the call, you know, and I ask everybody, you know, like I'll ask a question, you know, what was going through your head? Who freaked out? Who saw the paces and panicked? Like, let's talk about what you were saying to yourself. And then from there, the conversation starts to happen of you know, who hasn't done it yet because they're terrified, you know, yeah. because for us, if you've never done speed play before, you really do think there's fast, like there's all out. When <laughs> someone, someone said there's $10 million, you know, half a mile away and you have two minutes to get there, you know, like there's that fast or there's conversational pace and they don't understand all this other stuff. Maybe they've worked with coaches before who gave them kind of like, you know, all of these like, throw it at the wall type paces where they don't really understand what it means or why they're doing it, yeah, and the beauty I think of of this is half the group did the summer series where we weren't on v dot. and it truly was just listen to your body, mostly because, like, at that point in the pandemic, i I think everyone was just like at a total odds with their bodies everything felt awful and weird so asking them to compare threshold pace to like repetition pace they just they would have said both felt awful you know but with time I think they really listened to their bodies and let their bodies dictate what threshold pace actually felt like what interval pace felt like what repetition pace felt like and now they're adding that with with specific pace guides and they're like oh my god Okay, this is making sense now. And they're able to talk about their experiences listening to their bodies and listening to their bodies over what their watch is saying. So instead of like looking at if your pace is like, you know, if threshold pace is 820, instead of seeing an eight, which is a number they've never mm. run before in their lives, you know, instead of saying, oh, fuck, I am not an eight minute miler. I can't do that yeah. for five minutes. Oh my God, I'm going to die. They're just saying, go comfortably and comfortable and see how that feels. And then look down, just check in, ask yourself how you're like, so that's been really, really cool. Like coming at it from a, just see what happens. Just see what happens. If you take off and you can't do it, that's yeah. perfect. That's all we want. You know, like there's no race that we're working towards. There's not a day that you're going to show up in front of your friends and family and try to get to that finish line to get a medal. That's not happening here. Right. Right. What are we working for this week? Is it be brave and see if you can't hold on for five minutes? Is it, you know, challenge that voice that says, I'm not an eight minute miler. Like, what are we working on? What do you want? Why are you doing this? Is the speed played awful? Is it the worst part of your week? Stop doing it. (laughs) Go for a walk. Like you don't have to do anything right now. Why are you doing this? So that's been really fun. Giving people the permission to like take ownership over what they're doing in their journey. Yeah. Instead of saying like, all right, we're all trying to break two hours and a half, you know, like this week, we this is the workout. This is because you have to do the work in order to get here. You know, it's yeah. totally on like a, this loose timeline.
0: Yeah. And I hope they feel like an, another aspect of this is like if you want to feel better and you're running, yeah. if, you don't, <laughs> if, you don't, if your goal is not 330 in Chicago, your goal is just you're doing this training plan to be part of the community and you want to, you know, focus on your health and wellness and fitness um, and you like to run. I always tell people, yeah, it might seem silly like to, to prescribe, you know, a speed play or a quality session, whatever you call it. But it again, it comes back to like physiology. If you actually want to feel good and, and run with your friend, you know, for a long time and be able to converse during it, like you actually have to do, some speed work, and like you do it at different paces to improve economy, or improve your endurance, or improve, you know, your VO2 max. And um, it's not just to get faster, right? It's you can actually feel better, and that's that's my hope is that once they get the hang of it, they start to feel better in their bodies, and they're like, oh, this this starts to to make sense. The other thing is like. I always laugh at our practices. Um, if someone's VDOT goes up, they're like, "Oh, you know," they make <laughs> a big thing like, "Don't do this to me," you know. And and I'm like, "No, the point is like that's where you are, you know, like train like you've you've reached that point, and and now you train, you know, where you're currently at today. I'm not trying to punish you, <laughs> you know, by cranking the paces up faster. So assuming they have the right score you know, I think that's important is that they know that like, that's where you are, you can do this. And hopefully that gives them confidence. You know,
1: the biggest selling point is that, is that easy pace
0: <laughs>
1: is worked for like that. true. Like what you just said really is the selling point that we give them. I'm like, how many of you would like find yourselves wanting to light your hair on fire every time you see easy run, you know, and we're all like, yes, it, it, that's not a thing. Yeah. And we're like, well, guess what? Like, if you do this stuff, we will get there. Like these will be easy. (laughs) And everyone's like, no way. And sure enough, like six weeks in, everyone's like, oh my God, you were right. And like the speed play does become everyone's favorite part of the week. Mm. You know, we don't have much to be excited about right now. (laughs) I mean, most of us actually have nothing, you know, like someone asked me the other day, like when was the last time you had fun? And I was like, honestly, I couldn't (laughs) tell you. Couldn't tell you. No idea no idea like fun's not a thing right now I'm not depressed and I'm healthy and I'm in an extreme position of privilege but like we don't have a lot to like do right now so having that. that is like actually like really important right now a way to feel good about yourself a way to push yourself in a way that like it's totally on you you don't have the team pulling you which sometimes like that's the most fun part you know we have it online where we get to root for each other but like Getting to watch everyone really actually show up for themselves mm. because they want to is the best part.
0: That's so cool. 2020, fun is not a thing right now. I like that.
1: I wish it was. I know it was so funny when she asked me and I'm like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I feel like everything's just like meh. Yeah. Meh. And I'll take I mean, it. Meh is better than like, you know, in bed sobbing.
0: And I keep hearing like over and over to people saying it is what it is. You know, I know. Have you noticed that people saying that all the time now? It is what it is. I'm like. "Uh."
1: Yeah. You want you want fun. Try dating right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. We're not getting into dating. Um, I appreciate it. (laughs) So. So let's talk a little bit about diet culture because you. Yeah. I think recently. This you have a free program that's about to launch or maybe it has, but
1: about to launch.
0: Okay, cool. And so the big thing I want to talk about is like you, you mentioned diet culture and how it's sneaky and how it's really sort of permeated, you know, our society, but talk a little bit why it's sneaky. So people understand um, how it actually affects us.
1: Yeah. I call it poison punch because and you're going to think this is wild. Did you ever see The Sixth Sense? Uh yeah, yeah. So, do you remember Misha Barton's character? She dies because her mom is like putting pine salt in her soup.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And she's sick for a really long time and they can't figure out why.
0: I totally forgot about this. I recently watched it and long. like
1: I <laughs> was like, a Punch." But like that's what diet culture is. Diet culture is a multi-billion dollar industry. Like Kayla is my co-leader. Her name's Kayla Reynolds. She's my co-leader here in New York City. She works at a tech company that does this for a living, helps people establish healthy habits and lifestyle changes. She has her masters in science from Columbia in human nutrition. And mm-hmm. like diet culture is her like her passion. Like this is what we align on, is how do we get people to stop drinking the poison punch? How do we get people to start to just identify that it's truly everywhere and in it and everything that it is the biggest like way that people are making money off of us is diet culture. So Kayla came to me on sports bra squad day. Sports bra squad is a movement that I started a couple years ago where, uh, it truly, we're just, we're on a mission to redefine what strength looks like, you know, the health and diet and fitness industry, we see one body, we see one body type. And there are so many different body types. And uh, so, so, so many. And when I started talking about this and launching it, like I just saw so many people say I would, I could never run in my sports bra. Never, ever, ever, ever. So it became less about, you know, like being brave enough to run in your sports bra and more about, Be brave enough to start to address what you say to yourself, how you feel about yourself. And in order to do that, you really do have to understand diet culture. And it is sneaky. Kayla, The way Kayla talks about it is like it's just constantly putting on a new sparkly dress so that you don't recognize it. You know, like we can spot Jenny Craig. We can spot Nutrisystem. We can spot you know, shakes and juice cleanses, but it's it's constantly becoming sneakier and sneakier. Keto, all these other intermittent fasting, you know, whether or not you're paying for it, it's out there. It's constantly happening. And whether or not something is rooted in something bigger than diet culture, diet culture learns how to adopt it and market it and sell it. And it's just, it's everywhere. So Kayla came to me on Sports Bra Squad Day because normally we have... We have meetups all over the world. People host meetups where people can come in safety and numbers and run in your sports bra for the first time or the hundredth time. It's just a day to celebrate your strength. And it's a fun run. We couldn't do that this year because of COVID. So here in New York, it was like, I still want to see everybody. So let's all go to Brooklyn Bridge Park and we'll just sit in the biggest circle in the world <laughs> and talk. We'll do that. So we did. And, you know, the conversation was just about, you know, self-talk running in your sports bra, diets. And everyone was talking about dieting at 12 or 13 or 10, seeing parents do it, you know, low fat foods. We talked Mm. about that stupid fucking halo top ice cream. Like we talked about everything, how it's everywhere. And Kayla kind of came to me after and was like, we got to do something. We have to do something. Mm -hmm. What do we do? And so she came up with this idea to make an eight week course. It's called tis the season to ditch diet culture. And every week, has a theme. So week one starts on Monday, the 26th of October. It's the theme is ditch the disguise, learn how to spot diet culture. So we spend the first week, you know, actually doing that. So every Monday, a podcast episode drops between me and Kayla. And then every Wednesday, Kayla and I are hosting a live zoom to talk about everything that's happening that week, the journal prompts that we shared, what's coming up questions that people have. So it's a really interactive course and the design of the course is not to like you're not going to finish eight weeks and be like I'm fixed Woo-hoo! you know like yeah. that's unfortunately this stuff takes a really 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 long time this is either like a dip your toe in the pond if you've never if you've never done any work along these lines or maybe it's like here's some new tools to put in your tool belt for someone who's on your five of their journey with you know like body neutrality if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's frightening. I think you, I read somewhere on your maybe it was your blog, like how young girls, some of them are like their first diets is at year eight or something like that? I mean, is there Yeah. I have to look up some of the stats on it. It was it was nauseating to think of of it's dad. Ups- two it's young so girls. upsetting.
1: It's, it's a, a form of control. And I mean like dieting actually started like Thinness started way, way, way back in the day when men, like it was a, it was a form of status to, to marry a woman who didn't have to work because she was so faint because she wasn't eating and she was so thin. Like that's kind of how it started. It also has like deep, deep roots in systematic racism. Go figure. Like the whole thing is just so destructive and it, it ruins lives. Like women are constantly hospitalized because they're malnourished they are anorexic. They like are not eating in this qu- insane quest to look a certain way that they'll never look because they don't have that body type.
0: Yeah. And it's, as a parent, I'm like, I'm now becoming more aware. Um, like recently the girls had like the sniffles, you know, and um, we, we recently said like, okay, no, you know, no desserts the next few days. Like we were trying, cause we, You know, we're relating it to um, not getting sick and um, but we have you have to be careful, right? Because, like, are we planting a seed for, you know, dessert is bad and, you know, I have to hold off on eating dessert today, you know? So it's kind of it's scary how it is all around in our society and um, and being more aware of it. You know, that's that's kind of nuts.
1: It's terrifying. It's I mean, the fact that it persists at the level it does yeah. is so shocking, you know, that that we that we actually aren't in the streets burning stuff down, like because this has <laughs> they, like they've lobbied so hard to really make a lot of people sick, like like a lot of people die a lot. A lot of people die and even more suffer like lifelong consequences because of it. You know, like this idea that you have to rev your metabolism or like all this crazy shit, you know, it's yeah. pretty, pretty simple. <laughs> You eat when you're hungry. There's not good or bad food. There's just food. You know, like that's it's well, hum, it's wild.
0: When you say that, Kelly, how like um, is it Kayla? I'm forgetting the the Yeah, Kayla, Kayla yeah. Reynolds. Kayla Kayla, so how does she approach then um you know, nutrition, especially for the athletes that you're coaching that are um that are training? How does she approach it then? Sort of avoiding you know, the pitfalls of kind of or falling into that trap of, you know, diet culture. Um, you talk about food is food, but what is, is there an emphasis on, on food? That has more nutrients? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like, how do you tip? It's almost like you have to tiptoe around it in a way, like if you're not careful, then are you putting someone on this path to where it's like, oh shit, I've got to run more. Cause you know, um, i'm not eating the right foods you know what i mean that's but so that that right
1: there is diet culture exactly the yeah. notion that you have to you know like so we definitely talk about that i wouldn't say we're tiptoeing i'd say we're probably like bulldozing <laughs> <laughs> you know I, there's no there's no nutritional information in this course that's not what it's about like okay. one of the things that Kayla recently talked about in one of the episodes was, you know, someone recently came to her and they're like, I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. You know, I, I just want to feel better. What should I do? And Kayla was like, I walked away from that conversation being like, oh, shit, I didn't tell her a single thing to eat or not eat. Mm. You know, it wasn't like you should eat more asparagus because it's this. You shouldn't eat this right. because it's a superfood. You're it not was like,
0: on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was more like paying attention to the foods, all the foods that you can eat, not looking at a restrictive mindset where I can't have this, I can't have this, but what can you eat and what's making you feel good? You know, what foods make you feel energized? What foods actually make you feel good? You know, are you having a colorful plate? You know, are you learning how to make new things? All these different like she obviously does a such a better job explaining it, but it was, yeah. I mean, just that one mindset right there, right there, looking at it as like, uh, learning how to not come at it from a restrictive mindset. You know, if you're someone who has this, that, and the other, you have high blood pressure, you have all these things. Normally it would be like, I can't have sugar. I can't have salt. I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, instead of focusing on that, what, what are all the different foods that are available to you to energize you? If you're someone who maybe you're constantly tracking everything, maybe for one week, challenging yourself not to do that and instead try something new, eat whatever you want, whatever you want because you want it and see how you feel just for a week. What happens then? You know, it's not, you're not doing something forever. You're just trying new things, seeing what pops up when you have something that you've convinced yourself you can't have or that you shouldn't have, or that should be a treat or that should be earned, what's popping up then? And why? It's all these different things that are just teaching you, okay, I need to draw a circle around this and and look more at this.
0: Yeah, this idea of it has to be earned. That's, that's amazing. Um, But do you so you talk about the aware, I think that's so important, the awareness of, of diet culture. It's annoying, because we're, it feels like we're in this vicious cycle. Um, You've got in society with, social media and stress and the way people have less time um, or emphasis or education around health and wellness. And it sort of feeds the diet culture, right? Or the diet industry that, that feeds the demand for that. How much do you guys talk? Like, I had Olivia Afuso, who's a nutritional epidemiologist on the show in our last episode, and it was interesting how she talked a little bit about how the body reacts differently. Everyone's different. Everyone's an individual and based on stress and other things, the body's going to respond differently um, whether it's a different diet or different foods or, um, and it just seems like no one's aware of that as well. So um, do you guys talk at all about that or is it really just first making people aware of, diet culture, defeating that, um, before anything else.
1: So every week has a theme that we focus on. And like one of the themes is food isn't medicine, which was so triggering to so Mm. many people, you know, when a lot of people saw that they like immediately the reaction was to be like, that's not true. You need to change it. This is why this is my experience with it. And what Kayla really is trying to say with that is food is food. And it can be used in a way to make you feel better or energize you differently. And again, Kayla has her master's in science in this. Like this is why Kayla created this program. And I'm, and I'm here to kind of like set her sure. up to volley. Like one of the reasons I've never done something like this is I'm a very firm believer in, you know, like not stay in your lane, but amplify yeah. voices who know what they're talking about, what they're doing. Like I, I can share my story with stuff. But I am not here to educate people on nutrition. I took a nutrition course in college and that does not, you know, like give me a credential to tell people how to eat at all, you know, as women, you know, like this is something that we really want to dive deeper into, like exactly what you said, like our our diets should be shifting as female athletes based on what part of the cycle we're in. You know, when do you reach for more protein? When do you reach for more fat? When do you reach for more like anti-inflammatory type stuff? That's like deeper down the line. We want to move in that direction. But first, like this program specifically is just about diet culture and st- like just learning how to spot it. If people can walk away from these eight weeks, one, being a little bit kinder to themselves and understanding that the judgment we all feel is intentional because that's how people make money off us. And then two, like where you are is where you are. You know, it's not good nor bad. If you want different you just have to do different you know like we are in the driver's seat but it's not going to happen overnight and what you eat you know is pretty simple it is pretty simple we all know that if you eat you know like if if you reach for a snack that has you know carbs proteins and fats that's going to keep you full longer you're going to have energy instead of just having celery right if you have celery you're going to be hungry in five minutes
0: bashing celery
1: Fuck celery. No, I love celery. (laughs) But like, right? Celery is not a great great snack. It's not very balanced. You should have celery and peanut butter and and maybe some raisins.
0: Boom. I hate raisins. I know. Me too.
1: They're gross. And people put them in cookies. It's just like the
0: worst. Oatmeal. take them out of my oatmeal.
1: Get them out of everything.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) So just to close, it's incredible to see how quickly you've grown this business. And so in summary, um, just talk a little bit about why you think you've grown this group and and sort of state, is it basically staying true to who you are? Is that the big big lesson to other entrepreneurs, other coaches?
1: I don't really, well, I guess that's not true. I was about to say, I don't think it has anything to do with me, but uh, there was a certain point recently where I want to say like two or three years ago, I was like, I'm tired of being the center of this. I'm tired of being the Kelly show. I don't, I can only tell my story so many times. I'm actually really getting tired of having to talk about, you know, like the loss of my brother and, and like, I'm tired of this. I want to share other people's stories and I want to be someone who illuminates others, who doesn't just talk at others. I want to be a part of people's stories. I want to be, a reason that that they see themselves differently like I I, I loved coaching but I kept waiting for that validation you know I'm, I was signed with all these brands and no one would let me do it so I kept telling myself you know like they don't they don't see you in that role so you shouldn't see you in that role you mm. know and it, it finally got to the point where someone who you know like a couple, couple of people were like coach me coach me no why why don't you do this do this do this. We want it. We want this. And I so I tried coaching, I launched a coaching business like two years ago. And what I saw in all my athletes was like, you don't really need a one on one coach. You need a team. You need a community. You need people to grow with, to cheer for, to have cheer for you. You need you need that giant network of people who get you out of bed, who hold you accountable and who you feel a sense of purpose with. That's what you need. And if that means I can hop on a call once a week and guide and down the line have more coaches do the exact same thing with us all, you know, like that is so much more beneficial. Because, you know, like most of our athletes in the Badass Lady Gang, they're not trying to beat you. They're running their first half marathon. They're running their first 5K. They're running their first marathon. Everyone's chasing really, really huge goals that mean something to them. But they, they're not like the the caliber of athlete that requires, you know, like really, really intense training. It's more life, you know, it's life with a side of running. That's what they need. And that's what they're being coached on. And for me, it's important to make sure that when they finish, they not only walk away with a bunch of new friends who will be forever friends, but they're not going to one and done, you know, they're going to walk away with, with with a different perspective that they can bring to their life that they can bring to their love life. They love themselves more. They're kinder to themselves. They believe in themselves in a different way. I I really, I really do think that that chasing big goals and learning how to fail is like the biggest gift in the whole entire world. So that's really what we're trying to do with the Badass lady gang. So as much as it is kind of sort of lead by example with me, I don't want this to be about me, you know, like I know so many different coaches who, who I, I've like actively been trying to be like, come on over, come on in here, get on over here. So, you know, I do see this being, you know, like we're regionally, we have coaches. Once racing can start again, we can have big marathon groups. We can have big half marathon groups. We can have a big turkey trot group, you know, That's the kind of stuff that I want to do. How do we connect people so that people don't experience what I experienced for the first couple of years where like I, I would qualify at any time anyone was like, oh, you run. I'd be like, no, 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 I run, but I'm not, I'm not a runner, you know, like I'm not good. I'm not fast. I'm not impressive. You know, like, don't look at me instead be like, fuck yeah, I yeah. am. I yeah. love it. I hate it. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, I thank you for everything you do for the the running community and the way you've grown it. um, It's
1: been a wild ride, Brian.
0: Yeah, it's been awesome to watch. So thanks for for sharing. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me speak.
0: Of course. We love having you. So keep us posted on how your group's doing on VDOT. And um, thanks again, Kelly. Of course. I've been over here